All right, we are back. Uh, as a bit of a follow-up on our last week's obituary on Osama bin Laden, we would note the curious fact, which we were unaware of last week, that Christina Amanapour told Bill Maher's real time in October of 2008 that she had information from a, uh, an intelligence source in this country that Osama bin Laden was living in a villa in Pakistan. Just to remind you that about this time, we were a month away from the election between John McCain and Barack Obama. George Bush was in the White House trying to manage the economic meltdown. And this, <laughs> this little factoid that Osama bin Laden was apparently living in a villa in Pakistan, well, it, it, just, it just seems to have been missed. We'd refer you to YouTube to check out uh, the clip on that. Some of the uh, peripheral stories here are almost comical. Pakistan chiding the U.S. for not sharing the information it had about bin Laden's whereabouts. You gotta love that one. Well, if, if only you had told us <laughs> he was living next to our military academy. Because, my goodness, we had no idea. It is intriguing that the speculation about whether bin Laden is actually dead is, is now popping up. And um, well, we'll have more to say as we follow the OBL story. I do want to say that uh, I'm grateful for one aspect about this, is that it's at least stopped people talking about Obama's birth certificate for a while. The Week magazine, as it often does, had the best summary of all this in a briefing section. Notes that back in June of 08, Obama's staffers <laughs> released a copy of his Hawaiian certificate of live birth in an attempt to counter chatter that his real middle name was Mohammed. But, uh, but after that, apparently the director of the State Department of Health in Hawaii appointed by the Republican governor, twice examined and confirmed the authenticity of the original birth certificate. Employees of factcheck.org did the same. And this is the part I love. Two Hawaiian newspapers carried announcements of Obama's birth in October of 1961. And the state's current governor, Democrat Neil Abercrombie, recalls congratulating Obama's parents, whom he knew, on the birth of their son. But to guys like Philip Berg, a former Pennsylvania Deputy Attorney General filed a lawsuit alleging Obama's not a naturalized U.S. citizen, blah, blah, blah. Apparently, he at one point uh, turned up a birth certificate listing Canada as Obama's birthplace, but notes he withdrew it after a close examination revealed it had been signed by Dudley Do-Right. Another birther, Los Angeles dentist Orly Taitz, produced a Kenyan birth certificate issued by the Republic of Kenya, which historically didn't yet exist when the certificate was supposedly printed. Knight said the document was forged, quote, to try to discredit my efforts, unquote. These birthers have also claimed that Obama's grandmother admitted in a taped interview that he was born in Kenya, but apparently the full unedited tape reveals that she says through a translator that she was not present at his birth and notes, sir, he was born in Hawaii. Well, we hope all that's been put to bed, but... <laughs> Wouldn't count on it. Something that's very definitely not been put to bed is this issue over the legitimacy of medical cannabis and the conflict of the laws between the state and federal authorities. The May 1st, page one story, Sacramento Bee, which is that an El Dorado County pair, lawyer Dale Schaefer and physician wife Molly Fry, are going to go to prison for five years. Why? Because they were selling marijuana, medical marijuana, to people. They were activists. They were upfront about it. 
You had a large-scale operation, probably involving a million dollars worth of marijuana being sold to people. But you have to ask yourself, what is the federal government hoping to achieve? According to the article by Peter Hecht in The Bee, the couple are losing their freedom, per federal judge Frank Damrell, Damrell, due to their own self-aggrandizement as, quote, missionaries for marijuana, unquote that left them feeling impervious to the law. The prosecutors in this case said that the cause of Fry and Schaefer might have started as a sympathetic story of a husband growing some marijuana for his ill ill wife until it ballooned into a lucrative criminal conspiracy. They say the couple raked in up to a million dollars or more selling medicinal pot recommendations and luring medical clients by illegally distributing marijuana through couriers and even packages sent via the United Parcel Service. Wow, it just makes one's blood run cold, doesn't it? You know, the other night, for the first time in about 25 years, I watched Reefer Madness. In fact, ironically, the night before this article hit uh, the Sacramento Bee, and they had to laugh at the sheer insanity (laughs) of the portrayal of the evil reefers in this. Of course, you've probably seen this film, uh, dear listener. It's been a a favorite on college campuses for decades. dates back to 1937. It It is a very absurdist bit of propaganda portraying marijuana use in the kind of light that combines the worst aspects of heroin and methamphetamine. Yet the next morning, I get up, pick up my Sacramento Bee, and I see this headline. I mean, what is more absurd, reefer madness or the actions of U.S. attorney Benjamin Wagner, who was quoted as saying, they became very aggressive in their pursuit of this business model, and they made a lot of money doing it. Unfortunately, they tried to milk the tragic side of her medical condition to develop this heroic narrative, which doesn't square with the facts. I would invite you to read this article by Peter Hecht in the Sacramento Bee, dear listener. I'm sure it's available online. This is a sordid tale. It does point out that Molly Fry, who uh, attended medical school at the same institution I did, and whom over the years I've had a chance to talk to on a couple of occasions, developed breast cancer some years ago. As part of the chemotherapy, she was quite ill and found that marijuana helped ease her discomfort. She and her husbands became advocates for the use of marijuana as a medicine, something the U.S. is finally waking up to. Years and years behind the Europeans, I might add. But at one point, the couple naively invited the El Dorado County narcotics officers to see what they were doing, openly showing them what they were doing and why. And apparently we're told after the initial visit that the feds uh, had no problem with what they were doing, which was to provide the medicine to sick people. But apparently the U.S. uh, authorities contacted the El Dorado County Sheriff's Department, and uh, I guess things went south from there. He told the sheriffs that uh, marijuana was being sent out in UPS packages under Dale Schaefer's name. Detective uh, Robert Ashworth kept returning to uh, the couple's... um, residents to observe how many marijuana plants they were growing. Once it hit 100, apparently, they were potentially vulnerable to an extended time in federal prison. Oh, by by the way, if you're keeping score, the people that have caused the meltdown in the U.S. economy, these people on Wall Street, uh, none of them have been prosecuted successfully yet. In fact, there have been almost no prosecutions at all, because I guess the federal government has more important things to do. Article notes that by 2001, authorities were probing a conspiracy larger than a back, backyard garden. In early 2001, a real estate appraiser came to the house for an inspection for a home refinance loan. 
Assistant U.S. Attorney Sean Flynn said the appraiser found a concrete and cinder block bunker filled with so many marijuana plants, he was frightened. And no, we don't know, Ms. Marilyn, if he just seen Day of the Triffids, or perhaps the invasion of the body snatchers, or Little Shop of Horrors. But no, somehow these marijuana plants had this man in a panic. According to the article, this appraiser drove to the first payphone he could find and called police. Assistant U.S. Attorney Flynn, he realized that he'd come upon the property of drug dealers. By the way, the couple wind up refusing a plea deal for freedom for Fry and reduced time for Schaefer. Said Molly Fry, I married my husband for better or worse. I was not going to send him to prison. Schaefer's lawyer, Tony Sarah, said that an ulterior motive to destroy the state's medical marijuana movement lay behind their federal trial in 2007. Prosecutor Flynn said it was about a couple enriching themselves, recommending pot, and providing it like pizza delivery. So, dear listener, if you are really proud of the efforts of uh, Assistant U.S. Attorney Sean Flynn and U.S. Attorney Benjamin Wagner here in Sacramento, I think you should send them congratulatory notes for, you know, a job well done. I do hasten to add that that opinion, like all those heard in this program, do not necessarily reflect those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the regents of the University of California. We will continue to follow the story. Note that marijuana advocates are planning uh, to to, um, file a clemency petition and send it to President Barack Obama on behalf of the couple and their five children. I got to say, I am appalled. We do not recommend drug abuse on this program. But it seems increasingly clear as the years go by that there is a place for medical cannabis. I don't think this can be really much disputed at this point as it's finding a use in, uh, in, in helping the appetite of people that undergo chemotherapy. It's going to have a role to play, at least cannabinoids, in, in weight control. If it wasn't for the resistance of the federal government uh, in, in, in basically putting the kibosh on research, we would have a lot of useful medications and probably would have had them 10, 15 years ago if research had just been allowed to go forward. They're going to come up with a lot of different cannabinoids in the future that will not have the effect of getting people stoned that will have a lot of medical uses. Since we recorded that, the couple have, in fact, reported for their incarceration, and you can bet we're going to be talking about that in the future. All right, this program, oh, before we go, just want to say happy 80th birthday to Willie Mays. For those of us old enough to remember Mays's sparkling play on the baseball diamond, it's hard to imagine that he could possibly be 80 years old, but he is. Happy birthday, Willie. We end by quoting former Giants broadcaster Lon Simmons, who's one of Mays's close friend, who said during a ceremony to honor Willie at uh, AT&T Park, If they had a Nobel Prize for baseball, Willie would have won it. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. I want to thank Dr. Douglas Prednia for continuing our discussion. We'll bring him back next week to finish. We are out of time, but we'll see you again uh, next week, same time. Listening to Radio Parallax, I'm Douglas Everett. Be well. Hey, if Dina Dell's not going to use it anymore, I think I will. (laughs) 